Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoyed the message. Good afternoon, Dogwood Church. Can we encourage our band? Didn't they do a fantastic job today? Wow. This is my third service, and every one of them, God just poured through them into my life, and I'm so grateful for not only those who are on this stage, but those behind the scenes that serve us so well with such excellence. Well, welcome uh, to our service today. Uh, Some may be on the patio. I'd like to welcome uh, them there. This is a good day to be on the patio, actually. And for those on Facebook Live, uh, I shared with the earlier services that uh, our friends Mike and Lonnie Bird, who are in our small group, watched the 9 o'clock service from Israel today. Isn't that kind of cool that no matter where you go, you can follow uh, Dogwood Church? We're in a series called Instafam. By the way, that's a play on words. I don't know if you realize that or not. Instafam for Instagram. Uh, I'm not on Instagram. Apparently, it's only for good-looking people, and I have not received that invitation. But my wife is on Instagram, and my understanding of Instagram is there are photos. Thank you for laughing, Lynn. I appreciate that. There are photos that that communicate uh, uh, truths that, that people want to, to share with others. Unlike Facebook, where there's a lot of uh, vapid and inane comments in words, on Instagram, it is through photos. And so we're, we're in a series called InstaFam, Snapshots of a Healthy Family. What does that look like from a biblical perspective? By the way, speaking of family, I've, I have some fantastic news in my own family life. I just found out recently that I'm going to become a grandfather for the first time. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, it was one of those moments when Elizabeth called, Pam and I were on my, my cell phone, and she was telling us, it's one of these surreal moments that you just cannot believe is happening, and it's so extraordinarily exciting for, for us. And uh, one of the things she shared was, that, Dad, if it's a boy, I want to, to name him after your dad. And we just found out it, he will be a boy, and so his name will be Grandpa. So... <laughs> <laughs> I kid, of course. <laughs> Snapshots of a healthy family. The last two weeks, uh, Pastor Keith has been helping us focus on our relationships with, between husbands and wives. Hopefully you were a part of that. I, I was encouraged, I was challenged uh, as a husband, uh, uh, listening to God's word about my, my role in healthy relationships. Uh, today we're going to look at the relationship between uh, children and parents. Specifically, we're going to be looking at children love your parents. I invited my children to attend all three services. They declined, uh, but they are at one of these services, and uh, I'm glad they're here. But next week, we're going to talk about uh, parents uh, relating to their children. So if you're a, a children today, make sure your parents are here for next week's message. Our title of today's message is Children Loving Their Parents. We're going to look at Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. How, how can children express their love for parents? Uh, we're going to learn that from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. If you have your Bibles, please turn there. I'll be reading out of the CSB, the cool Southern Baptist version of the Bible. And uh, I, I just want to remind us all that to what we're about to hear is the very breath of God. The Apostle Paul, inspired by God, shares this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother, 
If you're reading from the bulletin, by the way, you'll notice that's bold. Anytime you see bold in the CSB, that's actually a quote from the Old Testament. This is the fifth commandment from the Old Testament. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. And may God add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his holy and magnificent word. Pastor Keith uh, shared a message back on March 26 about honoring your parents. And part of today's passage deals with honoring your parents. Uh, Pastor Keith did a magnificent job on this message. If you weren't here, I'd encourage you to watch that that, uh, from March 26. And uh, I'm going to share a little bit about honoring our parents, but mainly I'm going to talk about obeying and obedience. I rewatched Keith's message on honoring your parents, and one of the things he talked about, and I was just struck by this once again, that even though we're to obey our parents while we're living under their roof, we are to honor them for their entire lives. And one of the ways we honor our parents is we take care of them in their old age. It's a responsibility we as children have to our parents. Now, some of you are dealing with that right now. And I can assure you I understand how difficult it is because I went through that myself. My dad passed away 10 years ago. My mom and dad had been married 60 years. My mom not only loved my dad and my dad loved my mom, but they actually liked each other. (laughs) It's one of these marriages that really clicked. And so my mom had this tremendous void in her life. And uh, as as a son, I was not only grieving the loss of my dad, I was grieving the grief that my mom was going through. And for three years, she was, it was like a heavy cloud in her life. And then my brother, Kevin, died suddenly of a heart attack. And that cloud became even darker. And, and I saw the grief that was just flowing in waves in my mom. And I, I remember thinking at the time, is there, how can I help her? How can I serve her? Even as I'm dealing with, with my own grief. And then... Two years after that, she finds out she has cancer. And my sister and I, in particular, walk with my mom through that process. I can assure you, many, many times through this process, I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think I could honor my my mom when she needed me the most. And looking back, I'm so grateful that God gave me the strength to do it. And this is my encouragement to you that that are dealing with or about to deal with aging parents There's a good, good father (laughs) available to you. (laughs) And he can help you. And he can help you serve them in ways that you couldn't even begin to imagine. Turn to him. Rely on him. Understand that God can give you whatever you need to honor your parents. Can I have an amen? Because he can. He can. The focus of the message today is on obeying. But I'm not just going to focus on children obeying their parents. I'm going to talk about obedience. And, and the role that it plays for everybody in, in this room. William Ward said this. It's going to be on the screen. Every good person has learned how to obey, when to obey, whom to obey. Let me read that one more time. Every good person, I might add, every spiritual person, <laughs> has learned how to obey, when to obey, and whom to obey. I believe healthy relationships are built on obedience. I believe the the fullness of the Christian life is realized when we determine we will obey God primarily, that we will do what he asks us to do, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's unpleasant, even when we don't want to do it. 
I want to talk a little bit about children obeying their parents from the context here, but I want to shift in just a little bit to talk about how each one of us is asked by God to live obedient lives. The word obey that Paul uses in Ephesians 6, uh, 1, children obey your parents, is a very rich word. This is where you say, how rich is it? Okay, we'll do it one more time. This word obey that Paul uses in 6, 1 is a very rich word. You can do better than that. That, that, that seemed joyless. This word is a very rich word. Yeah, that's a lot better. The word obey literally means under the hearing, under the hearing. And let me explain. Under means you're under the authority of your parents. The hearing means this, listening with the readiness to do what is being requested. See, obedience from God's perspective isn't just uh, being under the authority of someone. It's also being ready to obey. And that's what God is asking not only children to do with their parents. He's asking us not just to be under his authority, but to be ready to obey him at any moment. The obedience that pleases God at home is when children are ready and are listening. By the way, you may have noticed in public where children are disrespectful to their parents. Something I didn't see when I was growing up, I see today. Have you seen that? Have you seen children argue with their parents and yell at their parents and be disrespectful to their parents? It's a struggle for children today in the church, by the way, because they're watching this. And they're wondering, why can't I be like that? Well, the reason you cannot be like that is this. God sees disobedience of children as one of the worst things any person could do. In fact, Paul says he, he, he lumps those who are disobedient to parents with these individuals, slanderers, haters of God, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil. It's a slippery slope when children do not obey their parents because what, what is going to happen is they're going to move further and further away from God. And one of the things I I encourage children to do is this, learn to obey your parents now. And we're going to talk about some of the rewards of of doing that. The second thing I want to talk about is who should we obey? And there's, there's three categories I want to talk about today. We should obey our parents if we're still living under their roof. Or as I like to say, if you're still on the payroll. If you're still on the payroll, you should obey your parents. (laughs) Now, uh, one, one side note of clarification. In regard to obedience to your parents, uh, you're not required to obey them if they ask you something that is against God's will. If they ask you to lie, for example, or cheat, you are not compelled to obey them. But everything else, you, you are compelled, and you need to be ready to obey them. Jesus modeled for us what obedience to parents looks like. Think about this with me. Jesus was the son of God, and yet he obeyed his parents. Luke uh, 2.51 says this. He, meaning Jesus when he was a boy, went down with them, meaning Mary and Joseph, his parents, and came to Nazareth, and he, and I'm going to emphasize this, and he continued in subjection to them. He continued in subjection to them. Th- that word is, is the same root word that Paul uses when he says, children, obey your parents. Jesus did the exact thing with his mom and dad. 
In fact, it says, and his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Mary treasured a lot of things about Jesus, but I can't imagine how much she treasured the fact that the Son of God chose to obey her. That's what Jesus has modeled for us. Secondly, we should obey those placed in authority over us, meaning teachers, work supervisors, government authorities, church leaders. Paul says this in Romans 13.1, all of you must obey those who rule over you. There are no authorities except the ones God has chosen. Those who now rule have been chosen by God. And then he goes on to say this, you must also obey them because you know it is right. So God puts certain individuals over us that, that we are to submit an authority, their authority in our lives. Now, again, we are not required to obey anything that is against God's will. Daniel in the Old Testament is a great example. Man, he, Daniel served a nut job king. I mean, a nut job king. And that king did a lot of weird stuff. And, and Daniel followed along and was obedient until the point where the king's law and God's law started conflicting. And Daniel said, no, that, that should be our pattern as well. Third, third person we should obey. This is foremost, we, we should obey God. God is our ultimate, he's our ultimate authority. Jesus modeled that for us. Jesus modeled it when he said this, I don't do anything unless the Father tells me to do it. <laughs> Isn't that a great way to live life? I don't do anything unless the Father tells me to do it. Jesus also used obedience to challenge his disciples. In fact, uh, when Jesus called his disciples, what was happening in that moment was pretty extraordinary. Uh, Peter and the other disciples had been fishing all night. They come in. Jesus gets in the boat, starts teaching. And then when he's finished, he, t- he says, let's, let's move out a little bit. And he says to Peter, what I want you to do is take your net and put it on the other side of the boat. Now, they had been fishing all night and caught nothing. Th- this was Peter's response to Jesus. Before I even say this, we need to consider how ridiculous this scenario is. Jesus was a carpenter telling a professional fisherman how to fish. This is what Peter says in reply. Master, we've been out all night fishing. (laughs) Nevertheless, because you say so, I will let down this net. (laughs) By the way, everything in Peter's life changed in that moment. Everything in his life changed the moment he decided, this does not make sense to me. Why why is this carpenter telling me how to fish? But because you say so, Jesus, and I trust you, I will do exactly what you say. By the way, every fish in the Sea of Galilee jumped on that net. (laughs) They had to call other boats. It was sinking. (laughs) Crazy story. And Jesus said, come and follow me. I will teach you how to fish for men. And maybe Jesus is doing that in your life right now. You're holding a net. He's asking you to do something that doesn't quite make sense to you. Your common sense is saying, I don't want to do this. But you know it is the right thing to do. (laughs) I look back on my journey in my life, and there's been many times when I've been holding a net Jesus said, do this. And I want to assure you, every time I did that, I look back and praise God for it. Every time I didn't or I dropped the net, I look back 
and ask God for forgiveness in those moments. I, I believe God wants to bless us, but there's a, the role we play in obedience is to do exactly what he says. Paul tells us the reason why our parent, we should obey our parents and those in authority over us. This is going to be on the screen. There are three reasons he gives us. The first one is this. It is the right thing to do. One of the reasons we should obey our parents, one of the reasons we should obey those in authority, and one of the reasons we should obey God is this. It's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Secondly, you will find success in your other relationship. Paul talks about it so that it may go well with you. One of the things I learned is if you can, you can be a part of a healthy household and submit yourself to the others in your household, you will build relationships not only in your home, you'll build them everywhere. But if you don't get it right at home, it's going to be messed up everywhere. And Paul's saying one of the reasons we obey is that it may go well. Lastly, he says you'll have wisdom to navigate this life. One of the principles he's talking about here is that you will have a long life. In other words, you're going to live a life of wisdom, of navigating life, because there will be decisions in your life that you're going to need to make, and they can be life or death decisions. And believe it or not, your parents really can help you. When I was in my teens, I viewed my parents as loving, caring, and clueless. <laughs> my parents grew up uh, during World War II. They grew up in a different generation. I grew, they grew up in the 40s. I grew up in the 70s during the Vietnam era. <laughs> Hippies, right? I thought my parents did not understand me and my generation when I was a teenager. By the time I hit my mid-20s, I realized, well, they may have one or two clues. By the time I was in my 30s and having children, I viewed them as the two smartest people on earth. Did they change or did I change? <laughs> I changed. My, my perspective changed. You may be viewing your parents as not really knowing and understanding you, but really they probably know more than you realize. I want to ask a few questions now that some of you may be asking. But David, what if my parents truly are clueless? (laughs) What if they are unfair? What if they lack understanding? How do I obey them? Or maybe you're you're wondering this. What if my supervisor at work is a self-centered jerk who doesn't really care about me? How do I submit to his or her authority? How do I do that? How about this? What if God wants me to stop doing something that I just don't want to stop? How about this? What if God is asking me to step out in faith even though it scares me and overwhelms me? What do we do? Where there's more help than we realize to obey. <laughs> you may not think you can do this, but you can, and God gives us a way. It's found in Ephesians 5.18. It's going to be on your screen. In fact, he started our entire series with, with this passage. Paul writes, don't be drunk with wine. By the way, every culture has something that will mask pain, <laughs> or struggle. And, and for that culture, it was wine. Our culture is wine and a whole lot more, right? He says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. There, there's a path of destruction and that's it right there. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So it leads 
to this question, how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to obey even when I don't want to obey? For nine weeks, I taught a course called Foundations, and some of you are in this room that were, were a part of that. Looked at the foundations of the faith. The very last session was on the, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And I talked about how, how do we be filled with the Holy Spirit? And uh, unfortunately, you weren't there, and I'm not going to share it with you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to give you a very quick summary of it. Uh, because the, the images I'm about to show you will help, I think, all of us understand how we are filled with the Holy Spirit. How are we filled with the Holy Spirit that allows us to do things we don't want to do in obedience to God in a way that pleases him? Bill Bright uh, provides these visuals of three types of people based on 1 Corinthians chapter 2, chapter 3. And uh, the first image you're going to see is what we call the natural person, and we call this the self-directed life. Now, what I want you to notice in this image there, there's a chair there that represents a throne. Everybody has a throne in their life. That throne represents who's making the decisions here. And a natural person, that that person is making those decisions. Those dots represent the decisions and actions that the natural person makes. If you'll notice, those dots are all over the place in different sizes, right? By the way, one of the ways the natural person makes decisions, well, there's two ways a natural person can make decisions. You can make decisions based on your instincts, and you can also make decisions based on your culture. I don't know if you've noticed, but our culture keeps changing values. Have you noticed that? Yeah. It's, I, I would think it's very challenging for a natural person to make decisions because of the instincts inside us keep changing, and culture around us keeps changing. And, uh, but notice Christ is not in that person. Christ is represented by the cross is outside this person. And this is what Paul says about the natural person. He says, a natural man does not accept the things, uh, things of the spirit of God for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them. Have you ever had a conversation with you're a believer and they're not, and you're trying to talk about spiritual things and it's not connecting? You ever had that experience? There's a reason why. There's a reason why. And it has to do with the center of that person's life. The natural person makes those decisions himself or herself. By the way, I get that. I understand that. I understand why I can't have those conversations. I, I understand that from where they're coming from. The second kind of person that uh, is revealed in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is the spiritual person or what we call a Christ-directed life. Now, if you notice in this, this image, the cross, meaning Jesus, is at the, on the throne. Jesus is on the throne and directing our lives. And uh, myself is at the foot of Jesus. In other words, my role in, in being a spiritual person is to hear the words of Jesus and to obey them. Those dots represent the decisions and actions of my life. Notice they're in harmony. They're in harmony with God's will. They're in harmony with God's way. And this is the beautiful thing. Even when my life is a raging storm, Jesus is directing it. And there is a great calm. I could ask this group, and I know many of you could answer this question, have you ever gone through a tremendous storm in your life and yet somehow experienced God's peace? Could you nod if that's been true of you? Yeah, I know that's true. And why is that so? Because Jesus is directing your 
your decisions and your behaviors. That, that's where we want to be, right? As, as believers. This is what Paul says. He who is spiritual appraises all things. Then he goes on to say this. We have the mind of Christ. (laughs) He says we have the mind of Christ. How do we have the mind of Christ? We have the mind of Christ through the filling of the Holy Spirit. And how does the Spirit fill us? That's our our big question, right? How does the, the, the... He fills us when Jesus is directing our lives, (laughs) When we allow Jesus to be the very center of our lives, the Spirit will fill us. I mentioned earlier that uh, parents, or maybe I didn't mention it in this service, uh, but I need to mention it. Parents are not perfect. Is that true? Yes. And children, you need to understand your parents are not perfect individuals. By the way, pastors are not perfect either. (laughs) Meaning, even as a pastor, I need help to keep Jesus at the center of my life. I need help so that when Jesus is directing, the Holy Spirit is filling me and guiding me. And there's three things I do every day that helps keep Jesus at the very center of my life. The first is this, daily Bible intake. Every day, I listen or read to God's Word. Listen or read God's Word. Daily Bible intake, Daily Bible reflection. And what that means is this. I don't just listen to God's word or read God's word. I reflect on God's word. And this is how I reflect. Lord, what do you want me to know, feel, and do? Lord, what do you want me to know, feel, and do based on what I'm reading here, what I'm experiencing here? The third thing that I do every day in order to keep Jesus at the center of my life is daily Bible prayer. And daily Bible prayer means this. Lord, everything you want me to know and feel and do, may that be true in my life, but I can't do it on my own. (laughs) I need your help. I need your help. Daily Bible intake, daily Bible reflection, daily Bible-directed prayer. Now, there's a fourth thing, and the fourth thing is I need to meet with a group of people every week that are doing the same thing so that we can encourage each other and willingly hold each other accountable. I do it through a small group. If you're not a part of a small group, find one other believer to do this with once a week. Read the same things, reflect on the same things, pray about the same things, and get with somebody else and live out your faith. How does Jesus stay directing your life? That's how he does that. I need that. I believe every believer needs that. The third kind of person that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians is the carnal person or what we call the worldly Christian. When you see this image, things have changed a little bit. Christ is in their life. They have received Christ in their life. But Christ is no longer on the throne. Christ is no longer making decisions. Self is making those decisions. And you notice how those decisions and actions are very chaotic in this picture. And that happens, by the way, when Christ is no longer directing our lives. Now, how does Christ stop directing our lives? I've noticed two things. Sometimes it's ignorance. (laughs) Sometimes it's just that we forget God. Why why do I do those three daily habits every day? I want to be reminded (laughs) of all that God has done for me. But more importantly, I want to rely on him for guidance, for help, for strength. This, this is what Paul says about the carnal person or the worldly Christian. 
He says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as, a spiritual, as, as to spiritual men, but as to carnal men, that means flesh, carnal men, as to babes in Christ. In other words, he viewed them as Christians, but he couldn't speak to them in spiritual terms because they wouldn't understand. And he says, for since there is jealousy and strife among you, which is a sign of disobedience, are you not fleshy and are you not walking like mere men? What is he really saying here? You're looking like the rest of the world. (laughs) You're not reflecting the light of Christ. And we don't reflect the light of Christ if Jesus is not directing our lives. Every morning when I uh, wake up, I study God's word. Every night before I go to bed, I simply read it without commentary. I just read. This past year, I've been reading through the New Testament. It's been tremendous blessing for me that... that (laughs) The moments before I go to bed, I, I just read through, the, and, and I just read and read and read. And right now I'm in Revelation, but my mind keeps going back to the last sentence of First, first John, uh, the, the last chapter, which is uh, verse, uh, chapter 5. In fact, it's going to be on the screen here. In fact, I'm in Revelation now. By the way, Revelation, a lot of wacky stuff's happening in Revelation. But I keep coming back to this because God used this to speak in my life. Hopefully, he will as yours as well. John writes, dear children, and by, that, by children, he means children of God, not necessarily young people, but anyone who's a child of God, a believer. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place. In your hearts. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. I've been thinking about that so much lately because I realize what, what's at battle in my heart. It's easy for me to replace God with things like family or my work. Uh, this last week, uh, I had the temptation to replace Jesus with our water heater, because it went out. Now, it sounds like a first world problem, and it is, but I remember in that moment, and my hair does not come this way naturally. I have to shower every day to get it the brilliant white that it is. But when the, the water heater went out, I was, I was remembering this, this verse, how, how easily we can replace things, and sometimes we replace God with anguish. <laughs> sometimes we replace God with the frustrations of life. And Jesus constantly wants to direct us in even the most frustrating moments. He wants to direct us in our grief. (laughs) He wants to direct us in our pain. But we need to keep away from anything that's replacing God in our hearts. That's God's word for me, and hopefully it will be God's word for you. Anything that replaces God is an idol in our life. And what Jesus is asking is that he come first and foremost, that you obey him. And if you do that, listen, in your family relationships, it will be amazing what happens. You will submit yourself to others. You will love others in your own family. You will seek to build relationships, not to aggravate the people around you. I I want, uh, before we close, to talk just a little bit to those of you who would be considered a natural person. In fact, I'm going to ask that this image be placed back up here. For some of you, you have never invited Jesus into your life. One of the things I want you to hear is 
the words of Jesus, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. (laughs) If you look at this image, it's it's the image of someone who has not invited Jesus into their life. And Jesus is knocking. And how do I invite Jesus into my life? How, how do I become this person where Jesus is directing all my decisions? How do I live with peace with my creator? There, there are three things. The first of all is this. Before you can answer that door, you need to admit your own sin. Every one of us who are believers in Jesus began at that point. We recognized our own sinfulness. We recognize there, there, there's evil in our hearts, there's motives that are impure, and there's behavior that, that's disobedient. And we stood before God and said, Lord, I'm a sinner in need of salvation. The first thing is to accept that you are a sinner. The second is to believe that Jesus is the only path to your creator. That through my faith and trust in Jesus, who died on a cross for my sake, so that my sins would be wiped out, it's my trust and belief in that, that salvation comes. Because we know if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How do I invite Jesus in as he knocks? I accept my responsibility, my sinfulness. I believe him as, to, as my savior, as the one who is bringing me salvation. The third thing is simply this, to confess him before others, to confess him before others. Jesus said, if you confess me before others, I will confess you before God. One of the most significant ways we can confess God is through the obedient act of baptism. After this service, like we've been doing recently, we we invite people to go and and be baptized. And I I just want to share with you the the beautiful symbolism of obedience that baptism is. What baptism is, is symbolic of dying to your old self and becoming a new creation. And the symbolism is this. You are buried with Christ as you go underneath the water. And and you are raised to walk in newness of life. (laughs) That's an act of obedience. That's something that we can do to express to others, yes, Lord, yes. Come into my life and change me. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Lord, I thank you for your word to us today. I thank you so much for your enormous love for us. I thank you for creating us and creating the beautiful world around us. I thank you that you have built us for a relationship with you. And most of all, I thank you for what Jesus has done to allow us to be in your presence. And Lord, I thank you so much that uh, for those in this room that are spiritual people that are allowing you to direct their lives, I I pray, Lord, that you encourage them in knowing that they're doing exactly what you want them to do and provide them whatever comfort or direction they need in their lives. For those in this room who are worldly Christians or carnal Christians who have replaced you with themselves in directing their lives, I pray for repentance for them, that they may once again turn back to you and put you on the throne of their lives. And Lord, I pray for those that have never invited you into their lives, even as you're knocking. And I pray, Lord, that they may consider in this moment the opportunity that is before them that through acknowledging their sin and accepting you and receiving you as their Lord and Savior, 
I pray, Lord, that they would encounter you in a new, in a fresh, in an unbelievable way. And if they have made that decision, Lord, I I pray that they would pray something along, along these lines. Lord Jesus, I admit that I have gone my own way. I have sinned in my thoughts and words and actions. I am deeply sorry for my sins. And I turn from them and I turn to you. And I believe that you died for me, taking my sins in your body on the cross. And I thank you, Lord, for your enormous love. Now I open the door of my life. Come in, Lord Jesus. Come in as my Savior and forgive and cleanse me. Come in as my Lord and take control of me. And I will serve you as you give me strength all of my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword Dogwood to 77977 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and to give.